0: Welcome to the Blogger Genius Podcast brought to you by Milo Tree. Here's your host, Jillian Leslie. Hi, welcome to the show. Today, I have my friend, Raquel Dorley, from the blog, Tinker Lab. So
1: welcome, Raquel. Thank you so much, Jill. I'm very happy to be here today. First, Thanks I have to me.
0: read what it says about you on your blog. You are a maker a tea drinker, an arts educator, a mama, wait, a Girl Mm -hmm. Scout leader, a traveler, hold on, a sketchbook collector, a creativity enabler. I love it. So can you tell me how you started with Tinker Lab? Because we met, I was thinking about it about six years ago. And you had launched Tinker Lab and you were growing it. So can you talk about what inspired you and
1: the evolution of Tinker Lab? Absolutely. I can't believe it's been six years. So that was actually shortly after I started it. So Tinker Lab has been around for about seven years now, a little over seven years. And, you know, it started. So basically what it is, it's a Website. It started as a blog and it's a um, hub for parents and educators or grandparents or after school teachers who want to support creativity in young children through art and science and tinkering. And we do that by providing free content um, through our blog. And we also have a free five day art challenge where families can download art activities that are really simple to do with their kids. We also have classes both in person and online. And so we deliver this content in lots of different ways. And, you know, this all started when my older daughter, I have two girls. And when my older daughter was one and a half, and she started just drawing, right, this is the first I'd ever seen. her. we'd done all kinds of things together, but she started making marks on paper with crayons. And up until that point, I was an art Educator, I worked in um, schools in Wait, Los Angeles. Oh, can and you hear me? To,
0: yeah, totally. But oh, I have okay. to
1: interject, and I have to say that you oh, yeah. have a master's from Harvard. Yes, I do okay. <laughs> and so I was teaching in schools and in museums and I had worked with children from kindergarten all the way up through adults. Um, when I started Tinker Lab, I was um, in the middle of training a docent program at a really big local art museum. So I you know I worked with people of all ages, but I'd never worked with one and a half year olds before and so my challenge became how do I apply all this cool stuff I know about? best practices in arts education to my own child's experience and I started hunting around for ideas and found some blogs and some books that guided me and then I realized I had to kind of put my own flavor on it and figure it out for myself how do I create this home tinker lab experience and basically turn my home into a lab and my daughter became my key subject and um and then I just grew a passion for it it became this really big thing for me and I stopped working at the art museum and Really focused 100% on on creating experiences for other people like me who were also looking for ways to foster creativity with their kids.
0: And what I love about your content, and you could tell me how you feel about this, your philosophy, which is everybody can be creative, um, that it doesn't, it's not about the that it's not about instructing kids it's really about allowing their them their creative freedom
1: yeah that's exactly right so you know for the most part i really try to present experiences that are open ended and that encourage children to think creatively and to build their self confidence and You know, so by having a prescriptive art experience that says, well, this is exactly what you have to do, and here are the five steps to do it, isn't really going to get them there. But, you know, something like that's not bad. It can definitely teach them skills. But what I'm really trying to get at is helping families or teachers set up experiences that really encourage children to ask big questions, to think creatively to, um, you know, find their own passion for whatever questions it is that they are trying to pursue. And that can really be done through open-ended art experiences.
0: Yes. And can you tell – and then you've you've written a book that I love with pictures of your kids going through kind of lots of fun art experiences. And now you're also writing your
1: second book. Can you talk about how that happened? Yeah. So, you know, funny. So when I started – when I was, you know, explaining how I had this one and a half year old and I wanted to do art with her and I started hunting around and finding all these resources in the process of trying to figure it out, I found some books and I thought, gosh, you know, I would really love to write a book. But at that point I'd never written a book. I wrote, you know, didactic panels in the museum, which are like the, you know, those those like vinyl things you see on the wall. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a newsletter that went out to our teachers every week, and in a way, I think that was like my my introduction to blogging. Um, I'd written papers in grad school, but I'd never written a book, and so I, it became this quest for me. I'm like, I want to write a book on this topic, and um, you know, I couldn't find exactly what I was looking for out there, but something that's really about how to encourage these, this, you know, how to build and support this home environment that support open ended creativity. And so I just realized, oh, I can kind of do this. I can chip away at this one blog post at a time. And I just started building this arsenal of blog posts. And then over time, I developed a voice and um, got a lot of feedback and realized what kinds of things people were interested in learning about and what things they weren't. And um, after a couple of years, I had enough content to make a book and was lucky enough to find a publisher. And then and then the book happened. It got published. And now I have... Um, I'm working. I'm finishing up my second book, and wait. Then I so have the a,
0: first book uh, is called Tinker Lab: A around. Hands-On Guide for Little Innovators,
1: Little Inventors. But oh, innovators. sorry, inventors. No, it's okay. We actually—it's funny—we actually went back and forth. Should it be innovators? Should it be inventors? They're both really good words. Yeah, and so that that book is great, and I I I've gotten a lot of great feedback on it, and it's you know it's designed for. Um, kids ages two to six and it has all kinds of ideas in it that you know parents can implement right away with very simple materials and um and yeah and so now I'm working on two more books so the book writing thing really stuck and that's been wait although I
0: have to say I remember you know, a conversation after the first book where you're yeah. like I don't know if I could do this again yeah it's like giving birth <laughs> okay so what inspired you to do it again
1: you know, I had enough space from it, and um, part of it, you know, when you start something you've never done before, you're blind, and you don't know exactly what you're getting yourself into, and so having gone through it one time and given ha- having a little bit of space, I could see that, you know, I could just be a little bit more strategic about my second book, and I could set up things in my life that would make it more doable and um, not so Willy nilly and helter skelter. So, and
0: what's the second book about? I I can't talk about it just yet. Really?
1: Okay. (laughs) I'm not at at liberty to talk about it. Although I will say that it is a creativity book for kids who are in a little bit of an older age group. So, um, ages eight through 12. So, moving up into a different age. And, um, it it's in the world of uh calligraphy that Ooh. you know handwriting that kind of thing but i can't Got say it. too much more and yeah. when will it be out um that's supposed to come out in the summer of 2018 okay well we shall see yeah okay
0: now can you talk about the evolution of your blog cuz so you started writing blog posts and that turned into your book and then you started creating courses right And like, how did that happen?
1: You know, so, okay. (laughs) Book writing is such a, for me, it is such a fulfilling experience. And obviously I'm sticking with it and I love doing it. Um, It's not um, a huge moneymaker. And I realized that I just needed to diversify my income and figure out other ways to really get my word out and get my ideas into the world but also you know pay my rent right yeah. and and keep food on my table so obviously i'm continuing with the book writing but um so my you know website is monetized in lots of different ways so I do got, you mind
0: walking through the different ways
1: not at all and then i'll circle back to this question so right. Um, so money comes in through book writing and then one of the nice things now that I've, you know, had a book that's been out for a couple of years, I still get residual checks for, um, for my books that my books that's already been out for a while. So people keep buying it and money still comes in. That's really lovely to have that passive income. And then there is advertising on my website and that's, um, nice. Also passive income. And I have an affiliate agreement with Amazon, and so that's a little bit of money. Um, so is that like Amazon Associates? Correct, Amazon okay. Associates. So you know, if somebody goes onto one of the blog posts and they are like, "Hmm, what's what kind of paint are you using?" and they click over, then I get a percentage for that. Yeah. And uh, let's see, there's something else. Oh, sponsors. So if we find really good sponsors that are a good fit with our brand, then. We like working with them and they might you know, send us products and we could review it or something along those lines. Um, and those sponsorships can work through our blog or through our social media, so that's another way. I think there are about five different ways. And so then, you know, what I was realizing is that all these different ways, aside from the book writing, um, that we were monetizing the website were not really in our hands, right? So if Amazon changes their terms next week, then our percentage could drop and we could make less money, which has actually happened this past year. Mm. And the same goes for advertising and mm-hmm. even the same goes for sponsorships, right? So money can dry up. And so I think it's really important to diversify where your income is coming from. And then um, realizing that I really wanted to have some products on our site. So I had been selling little products here and there, like downloadable you know, PDFs or um, you know, lesson plans that are kind of packaged and I really wanted to teach a class, right? I come from a teaching background and mm-hmm. so I ran a beta test and kind of figured out what the class would be about after so doing explain, So some... explain what
0: that means. Okay. Because one thing that I, I, uh, I know about you is that you are very close with your community
1: mm-hmm. and that they talk to you and
0: give you feedback. Right,
1: right, right. So feedback is really important. So I had- um, I have a... Re- oh, well, okay. So I should also say, <laughs> that's like kind of a piece of advice for those of you who don't already have a newsletter. Uh, it's super important to get some kind of a pop-up or something on your website where people can sign up for your newsletter because then you can... And you can use MiloTree. Um, I use Milo tree and I love it. So, so actually, this is something I wish was... Was something I started from day one, was having a newsletter, but it's okay. I, you know, have one now and I've had it for a while, but... Why I mention it is because you can get directly in touch. I mean, there's lots of benefits to it, but one is you can get in touch with your, you know, your fans right away and you can survey them and ask them what they're looking for, right? What do you want or what's your pain point and how can we help you solve it? And so I ran a survey um, and I've done actually a number of surveys asking different kinds of questions and just try to get to the root of it. Like what do people want? What's the format they want? What problems can I help them solve? And then from that data, I pulled this class together and I ran it as a beta, meaning that it was a prototype and I wasn't, you know, I wanted to have people join me who were willing and interested and excited about the content, but also willing to be guinea pigs and help me through some of the, you know, like troubleshooting some of the problems that might exist with it. So now, did you charge them I did and I would recommend because... that to anyone who's running a beta I would definitely charge them I was actually um, invited to be in um, a beta for for free right It was a program someone was running and they said hey, it's free and it's funny because because it was free I did not have an investment in it and I just failed to show up yes. and it was no fault of the class the class actually was probably really good but I think it's really important that people have that financial investment because then they're on the hook and they actually want it. They're not just giving you lip service. Sure, I'll do it. I'll help you out. (laughs) But it's something that they actually want. So I did charge, but I didn't charge the full amount. So I made it um, very reasonable, but still enough that people, um, when they signed up, they felt like they needed to be there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And there is something, it is true that people value things they pay for more than things they get for free. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And so, so from there, yeah, so I ran the beta. And then because um, I gave them this discount, they were willing to give me their feedback. And so along the way, we had a private Facebook group, and they would share their thoughts with me. And um, I also ran some post survey at the post survey at the end and got more feedback from them on what they liked and what they didn't like. And then from there, I launched the class, you know, officially. And I charge more money. And, oh, the other thing I offered my beta class, which I think is a nice thing to do, and is, uh, is I offered them lifetime access. So every time I run the class, they can retake it if they want to. And I think they really appreciated that. And it's also really great for seeding future classes. So, you know, they're my diehard fans. And they'll, I mean, you know, if they want to take the class again, they'll show up and they'll give feedback to people and they'll be present. And so... They're that, you know, launch party, basically, that that comes along with me if they want to be there. Right.
0: And I I talk about this, but, like, really to build a business, you need about a thousand fans, raving fans. And there you are building Mm -hmm. that. You know, who will buy your next book, who will take your next course, who will talk about you on social media. It's like it doesn't take... Right, millions. right. No. You know, it, it's actually
1: a much smaller number than people think. Yeah, and, you know, it's, the, it's a good reminder, too, that it, I always feel better at the end of the day when I connect one-on-one with someone, right? So if somebody you know, reaches out to me or they want to have a conversation and they're in one of my classes or they've done something with me, I always have such a good feeling. And it's a much better feeling than like, Hey, I sent a newsletter out to thousands of people today. And no one got in touch with me. And it's right. like, well, that's nice. But <laughs> did I affect anyone right. today? I don't really know. So yeah.
0: Right, right. Now here, here's a question. Is creating a course a get rich quick scheme?
1: Oh, that's a really good
0: question because I get tons of emails saying I just created this course and it's a six figure course and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so you know, my my instinct is that that is not true, but I don't want to put words in your mouth.
1: Here. I don't know if I'm well positioned to answer that question. For me it has not been a get rich quick scheme, but it is also my biggest source of revenue. So I think it it just depends on what your goals are and it depends on your niche and how, how much, how, what pain point you're solving for people, right? And how much they're willing to pay for that. Um, it probably has a lot to do with how you deliver the content. Um, I guess the other piece of it is your commitment. So what I can say is that I've, you know, launched the class now three times and each time I launch it, it's a bigger it's bigger than the previous Mm. time. Mm. And so that wouldn't be necessarily getting rich quick, but it's definitely a growth opportunity. The only thing I see kind of happening in the class space is that it's, you know, it's reaching that it's starting to reach that saturation point, which is, you know, something that's going to happen anywhere online, right? There's, you know, people start getting excited about it and they hear about it and people start selling courses on it. And so, the market's definitely getting saturated. and I think it's making it harder to get rich quick. But there's there are people out there who are making those six figure incomes off of their classes. And so I think it's I think it's still an exciting place to be and to invest time into. As long as you have a passion for it and you're excited to show up every day and, you know, commit to it and keep going with it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential for teaching classes. And I mean, the beauty of it that I see, and I've, I've always had this in me, um, is that you can reach so many people with one experience. So when I was teaching elementary school art, um, I had a you know, class of 30 children at a time. I was actually teaching a bunch of classes, but let's say it's just 30 kids. And I was teaching a workshop one weekend when I had 30 teachers in the room. And I was like, wait a second, all these 30 teachers in the room, they're each teaching 30 kids, let's say. So right now I'm teaching this class to these 30 teachers and this is going to impact 900 students. And that was such a powerful moment for me when I realized like I can do something one time and have the potential to reach so many more people. And I was teaching in uh, Los Angeles Unified School District District, with kids who didn't have access to a lot of things. And it was really powerful me to, for, for me to think that I have this ability to impact people who need this so much who might not get it otherwise. And so you go and teach a class online and it has that same exact potential, which is exciting. So if you get excited about that potential and you really feel like you can serve a lot of people and you want to, I think the sky's the limit, really, right? And it's um, I think some people are gonna nail it and cry and other people won't. And it just kind of depends on, again, like what the niche is and their passion and their commitment to it.
0: I, I think that is so right on. I do. I think the idea that if you have something inside that you want to teach other people, that you can really, the people people feel that authenticity. They feel that you're an expert in your field and they want to learn from you and that you can reach thousands and thousands of people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, it it does go back to that need. So, in serving your audience, finding out what they really need. And if you're just doing something that you think is fun and important, but nobody really wants it, then you're you're not going to make millions of dollars doing it. But um, what was yeah.
0: surprising? What did you find out that surprised you as you were building your course?
1: Oh, what did surprise me? Well, gosh. That's a really good question. It's taking me back to when I was designing the course. I guess one of the things oh. that surprised me was how far reaching it was. Um, you know, I live in California and um, to see people sign up for the class from all over the world. And I know that I have a a blog following of people from all over the world, but uh, it was kind of amazing for me to to see people show up in our forum or a shared group, you know, from Belgium and from um, Mm -hmm. Australia and from Portugal, speaking all different languages, but showing up in this place and, you know, showing examples of their kids doing the artwork in all these different Mm -hmm. places and all the different interpretations of the same, you know, set of tools. Um, And it was, I, I was expecting it, but it was also such a beautiful surprise to see, you know, the, world get a little bit smaller with all these people coming together
0: yes and i would say that every day i too running Mm -hmm. online businesses feel that that the world is small Mm -hmm. it is it is you know and that we're and that uh, especially as moms we all want the same things for our kids yeah we do we
1: definitely do um so in
0: terms of like the nuts and bolts, like social media, how do you see social media? How has it changed for you? Like what's working for you now?
1: Yeah, great question. Social media has changed a lot, obviously, since I started it, you know, seven years ago. Pinterest didn't even exist when I started. Yeah. And so one of the things I think is so important is just to say as much as you can on top of what's happening, what those changes are. In the last year, I've had a lot of personal um issues going on with my family. Um, My mom was really sick. And so, you know, I just had to turn off a lot of social media and I've lost track of what's happened and things have changed a lot. (sighs) That said, you know, when I started, Facebook was a really strong, um, that was a place where I put in a lot of investment and a lot of time. And I still think there's a lot of of growth potential in Facebook and where I'm putting all my effort right now is, um, I guess a trifecta of Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram. Mm. And um, you know, I, I, I think that one of the, one of, you know, kind of going back to when I started, I think what helped me probably more than anything, you know, content is important, but it's the community mm. and it's not just my community. It's not just the people that show up for me who like my content, but it's also people who are running in the same space as me or running in similar niches as me, who, who I became friends with. And we would help each other. And mm. so I'm seeing a lot of that happening on social media where they're, you know, on Instagram, there are Instagram pods where mm-hmm. people will work together to help each other's Instagrams grow. Or there are Facebook pods where they will, you know, hey, I posted something today on Facebook and everyone pops over and, you know, likes it or comments on it to help them out. And so that that kind of thing is still alive and well. And I think that that kind of community support and finding people that, you love and it love you and that can really help you grow and seeing yourself as part of a community, um, you know, no one can grow on their own. Right. And you know, even though I, I largely work by myself, um, I'm, I, you know, I would not be where I am now if it weren't for the support and friendship of other people and, and, and what's interesting social is media that, is a big place for that. Yeah. And
0: I think it really, I, the internet's really big and yeah. I always say befriend your competitors because yeah. you can help each other. Definitely. And that Definitely. you're not exactly in competition with them.
1: There's enough no. room. Yeah, exactly. No, you're not. You're not. And everyone has their own spin on things and your your readers or your viewers or your listeners are going to come to you for your your specific taste, right? And what your What you're serving up on your menu will be a little bit different. And, you know, it's like two Italian restaurants can exist on the same street because they're not identical. Exactly. And I
0: think it also creates a feeling of abundance rather than scarcity.
1: For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the other piece of it was that, you know, when I started, I had two really little kids and there was a, and I was feeling very isolated and I was looking for community. And so to find all these other people who were doing, things similar to what I was doing made my world feel a lot smaller and I could connect with them and we could understand each other and we could say going through that too. And, you know, this is how you and I met. We were, um, you know, we bonded immediately because we had, you know, we were both building businesses and we both had little kids and, you know, they'll, so yeah. So finding other people is so important and it just helps, you know, it helps you get through the day and it's, you know, it's also really it's all about the people anyway.
0: And what's I think nice about it is that like, moms in my preschool had no idea what I was doing, what Mm -hmm. being a blogger was what building an online business looks like, but to find other people doing it was Yeah, right. So comforting.
1: Yeah, yeah, it can be really comforting. And you can help each other too. It's like, The other day, one of my online friends, she shared how she does video with a certain kind of um, light. And I was like, that looks like a really cool light. I went and ordered it right away. And, you know, and we do the same, you know, I did the same thing back and I'll share this as a resource that I'm working with and I really like it. And so, yeah, so you can be of constant help to each other in in a number of ways. And it can be, you know, I'm having a hard day. Talk me off the ledge to... (laughs) Um, you know, how do you grow your newsletter list? And what's that trick that you're doing? And how can that work for me? So
0: and yeah. how, how many hours a week would you say you work?
1: You know, I really try to be a mom first to whatever extent I can. So I pick up my kids from school every day. And so that's when my workday ends. So it's like I kind of work backwards from that. Well, So how many days hours does that put in my day? And it's about or my week, and that's about 25 hours per week. And you know, I try to leave a little bit of time in there open for, you know, meeting with a friend or getting errands done. And so it probably ends up being like 20 hours a week. Got it. So that's very doable. I think so. I think so. And it's, it's been different at different stages. So like when I was finishing up my, my first book, Um, you know, it was just, it was very, very intense. And so my husband would come home early, and I would go to the coffee shop and write. And so I think during that, you know, that season, my hours probably went up, you know, two or three times. Um, and so it's seasonal for sure. Like there are sometimes things that come up, and the hours go up. And you know, I have to work on the weekends. So you know, I also run live workshops in my studio, and so. Sometimes like a Saturday, I'll be out for four hours or on a Thursday night, I'll be out for three hours and my husband covers me. So it probably, and it probably averages about 25, maybe even 30 hours a week on some weeks. Yeah.
0: Right. Now, what about your business at this moment are you most excited about? What about it
1: am I most excited about right yeah. now? Okay. Well, you know, right. That's a great question. It so. so I've been doing this for so long and I'm still so in love with the idea of everything that I'm doing so I feel like I'm excited about like all the pieces um I have been running this online class and I'm excited about launching another um, set of it so the ways I' the way i've been doing it is with launches and what do so you i've mean had by that? so what I mean is I'll have a um, quarterly launch so I'll say you know it's January and I'm, you know, going to launch my online class and then I'll do it again in April and again in July and again in October. Um, but I'm working right now on making that course evergreen. So I'm working on getting people into a funnel. So when they sign up for my newsletter, they get some free content. They get some excited about what it is that tinker lab is about. And then that moves them through um, my free challenge and I could talk about that and all, as well. And then yeah. from there, they would um, be given the opportunity to sign up for my class. And so rather than run these launches, you know, four times a year, it would just be this, you know, ongoing funnel where Got people, it. as they join my website, they would get the opportunity to take the class and the class would be there all the time. And I'm doing that because, you know, I'm finding that people want to take the class in February. And I'm like, well, it just started last month. I'm sorry, you'll have to wait till April, but that's not when they want to take it. And then, you know, by the time April rolls around, they're onto something else. And so that's not helpful to anyone. So I want to be more helpful and more useful.
0: And can you explain your free course and how that rolls into your paid course?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the free class is a five, I run it as a five day challenge. And this was inspired by, so I have a mentor named um, Jada Selner, who's amazing. And she um, ran a website called Simple Green Smoothies. And they did these challenges. And I followed along for years and loved how they did it. And I was like, I really want to do a challenge. And the way the challenge works is it's like a free, hers was 30 days. Um, and it was a 30 day smoothie challenge. And what I do is five days of um, free art content, basically. And you get um, essentially a, a a menu, like a meal plan. And it gives you five activities to do with your kids over the course of the week. And it gives you a list of supplies that you buy ahead of time or you gather ahead of time. And a lot of them are things you can find around your house. So it's not too difficult. And then each day for five days, you set up one of the projects with your young children and then do it. And then we have this online um, forum, a group on Facebook where people can share what they're doing, and it becomes a really beautiful community of people who are having this shared experience of creativity with their kids and feeling supported and nurtured and energized by it. And then at the end of the five days, if they really love it and they want to continue, then they can sign up for um, five more weeks of it. And every week for five weeks, they'll get you know more projects, and the support group will continue. And from that, I've actually received a lot of feedback from people that they want even more. So I'm thinking about, well, how can I expand that and make that into a bigger program that's longer than five weeks? Um, And so that's something that's also brewing in the back of my mind. But if if you're interested in checking it out, um, if if your listeners want to check it out, you can go look up Tinker Lab Art Start, and it'll take you to sign up for the Art Start Challenge. And so Right now, they're happening um, quarterly, but, you know, maybe by the time someone listens to this, it'll I'll have the evergreen set up and it'll just loop you right into it and you'll get it in your inbox right away. That's the goal.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. So now, if you had one piece of advice that you wish someone had told you when you were starting your business,
1: what would that be? Okay, so, so I have two. <laughs> <laughs> I have I, one that's a technical piece of advice and one that's a little bit more, um, a little bit more theoretical. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. So the technical thing is that I get most of my traffic through organic search and, um, I wish I had known about search engine optimization or SEO earlier. So right. I, I found out about it, you know, right in the beginning, I, there was actually a mom in my daughter's preschool who was an SEO expert. She was like a consultant and I didn't even know what it was. I think like maybe two years to really understand that, Oh, people are finding me organically. And there's actually strategy behind that. And so I wish I had, done that right from the beginning. It's not something if you haven't been doing SEO, it's uh, you can be like me and you can fix it. You can go back and you can, you can, you know, put Yoast onto your website and you can sign up for a key word tool finder and it's definitely doable. But I wish I did that from the beginning.
0: Okay. So Yoast is a plugin in your WordPress site that um,
1: helps you optimize your posts. Exactly. So if you're on WordPress, I think maybe it's on other sites too, but on WordPress, you can get Yoast and it's so great because it'll give you, um, you know, the green light if everything looks exactly how it should. And it'll be, you know, a yellow light if things are almost there and red if it's terrible. And it gives you all kinds of areas where you just plug things in. Um, You know, what is your keyword that you're trying to go after? And um, you have to, you know, write out some you know what your description is of the content, and it tells you that you need to have more keywords inside of your post, and it it just guides you through the whole thing very, very, very simple, and it makes it really easy for you to get those keywords in there and to optimize your post the best way you possibly can. And then the other tool that I recently discovered, I used to use Google had this keyword finder that um, it sort of changed over the years and it became less useful. Um, but I found a new one I pay for it, uh-huh. but I like it a lot. It's called Mangools and I think it's spelled M A N G O O okay. L S. And it's a, it's a keyword finder and it's just really comprehensive. You can actually test it for free. I, I'm not an affiliate. I wish I was right now, <laughs> but, but you can test it for free. And, um, I, I like it. I think it's obviously it's good enough. I decided to pay for it. Yeah. I use so, one called K W. Oh,
0: my volume is weird. Um, KW Finder.
1: Oh, I've heard of that one too. Okay. I have to look into that. KW Finder. Which I also paid for, but I find Mm -hmm. it really useful. Yeah. It's definitely worthwhile. It definitely is because, you know, people are searching for things and, um, and it's a great way to find people. And that's how I get people on my newsletter. They come to my website and they like what they see there. Um, then they'll sign on for my newsletter. But if they don't Ever find my website, they won't sign up for my newsletter. So that's important. That's
0: great. Now, what is the other piece of advice?
1: So, the other piece of advice is to, you know, I think about how important it is to kind of be in this for the long haul, right? And to see the, to see, to have like a long plan for yourself. And To make sure that whatever it is you're doing, that you can be passionate about this thing for a really long time because there can be – burnout is so inevitable otherwise. There have been so many moments where I have just – I haven't wanted to throw in the towel, but I've been exhausted, absolutely exhausted. Like, you know, someone hacks into my site (laughs) or, um, you know – my website's overloaded, and um, you know things are shutting down, or you know there's just some kind of technical problem. And when those things come, those are the things I hate. Obviously, yes, <laughs> those are the things that really get to me. I I can be techie, but I'm not that techie. And so when the techie things happen, I I just I love what I do so much that I'm motivated to figure it out, and it doesn't burn me out and stress me out and kill me, um, and I can keep going. So just to make sure that whatever it is you're doing, you Love it enough that when, you know, stuff hits the fan,
0: which it that, will,
1: which it will, it definitely will that you're still motivated to do it because that's the thing that's going to drive you to get through the hard times. So that would be my I love it. And I, I
0: totally agree. It is because you love it.
1: It's because I love it. Yes, it is. Absolutely. You know, so I've been going back to my mentor, Jada. She runs this program called Love Over Metrics. And I just love that. Um, that's that phrase that's saying that, you know, metrics are important and, you know, we can, we, you know, we're running businesses. So you want to quantify what you're doing. You want to make sure that you can pay for your, you know, food that <laughs> you put on your table, but the love has to come first and you know, it has to be a love for what you're doing and a love for your audience and, um, you know, just really believing in, in your content and that's going to drive you and that's going to keep you happy and enabled and and confident and also connected that's to people. What your
0: audience will respond to is you. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Exactly. And they'll see right through you if that's not there. They'll be like, "Wait, what are you trying to get something from totally. me?" So
0: So okay, Raquel, how can people find you, reach out to you, learn more about you, uh start in your in your classes?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you um go to tinkerlab.com. So tinker, like, you know, tinkering in your studio lab, it's all one word, T I N K E R L A B.com. Then you can find my website. And if you wanted to try out this art start challenge, you could just do a forward slash art start and, um, mm-hmm. loop right into that five day challenge that will hopefully be evergreen soon. <laughs> on social media everywhere. I'm Tinker Lab. Um, and so you can just search for Tinker Lab, um, or you can look for my name anywhere. And, um, if you wanted to reach me by email, I'm Raquel at TinkerLab.com. And my name is spelled like Rochelle, R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E at TinkerLab.com.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: It was such a pleasure and I just I adore everything that you're doing and I just want to support you however I can and I I love that you're running this show. It's awesome.
0: If you're trying to grow your social media followers on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube and Pinterest, plus trying to grow your email list, definitely check out Milo Tree. It is the smart pop-up you add to your blog or your site and it asks your visitors to follow you on social media or subscribe to your list. Just a couple things. It's super easy to add to your site. We offer a WordPress plugin or a simple line of code. It's Google-friendly on mobile, so you don't have to worry about showing pop-ups on mobile. It's lightning fast. It won't slow your site down. And you can grow multiple platforms at once. So check it out, milotree.com. We also offer your first 30 days free.